0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Terran Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is a razor company. They're going to ship you razors in the mail that you can use on your face. Um, And I know it it sounds scary using a razor on your face. I was terrified when I heard of it as a child. Um, (laughs) But it's actually not bad, especially when you use Harry's wonderful razors. Have you ever used Harry's, uh, Adam?
1: Um. No, I use an electric razor because I don't grow enough hair to really need a real one.
0: <laughs> well, see, even if even if you don't grow enough hair, it's still it's still wonderful to get those those small amounts of hairs yeah. off your face. No, Harry's
1: is going to be the first one I go for for sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jeff and Andy were two ordinary guys who were fed up with getting charged an arm and a leg for razor blades, so they started Harry's to fix shaving. They fixed it.
1: And you're talking about Jeff Schroeder and Andy Herron, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, how did you know? They've been knew, trying to they. protect uh, their Chicago, identities. The
1: Chicago Connection, they definitely started a razor company. That's cool they kept that under wraps for so long.
0: Yeah, uh, and guess what? They're so confident you're going to love their blades. They're going to give you a free trial shave set when you sign up at harrys.com slash All you have to do is pay for shipping. So uh, claim that free trial offer. $13 value for free when you sh- when you sign up. Uh, go to harrys.com slash
1: right now. Do it. So it's free? Like I just no I'm being serious. Like I can just sign up under your code and I, I get the thirteen dollars value for free.
0: Yeah. Then you just oh, sh- you pay for shipping.
1: Wow, I'm down. Like I'm I'm not even like saying that like to like plug them. Like I'm actually very interested now.
0: It's cool and it comes in like it comes in a box and it's like all fancy. It's nice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I like it. You sold me. All right. This episode is also brought to you by Hello. Fresh Hello Fresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients, so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. It's it's awesome. The uh, they send you all the ingredients. They come pre-measured in handy little labeled uh, meal kits, uh, so you know exactly which ingredients go with which recipe. Delivered right to your door, and they offer a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. So no more time consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. And you won't spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take around 30 minutes. You get to try things you never thought to cook on your own and enjoy eating outside of your comfort zone. For example, one of their premium dinners is a lobster ravioli and shrimp with tomatoes and tarragon cream sauce. I don't even know what tarragon cream sauce is, but wouldn't it be cool to find out? Sounds kind of like my name, right? Taran, Taran, gone cream sauce, know, whatever. So, HelloFresh was was kind enough to send me some meals, and I've got to say, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, it's, it's much more convenient. I, I don't have to measure things <laughs> anymore. Uh, I know it, like it all comes pre-packaged. I just use all of it. It gives me all of the nutrition information. So I'm not weighing things. I'm not uh, trying to guess, uh, the amount of what I need to put in here. Um, it's just, it's all right there. The directions are very simple. Um, it's, it seriously was uh, a much better experience than, uh, than normal and it was sent right to me. I don't even have to go uh, to the grocery store to get this food. It was just delivered right to my door. And, and I'm not even kidding. I recently—I've uh, never been a big pork person, but I recently tried pork on my own. I made some pork, and <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan. It's just, the texture is weird. But one of the recipes they sent me was this pork tenderloin, and I made it. I was like, okay, okay, I'll make I'll make the HelloFresh pork. See how that goes. And it was way better than what I had made on my own. Um, So, you know, now I'm I'm cool with pork. How about that? So if you want to try HelloFresh, guess what? You're going to get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh if you visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code TERRIN30. Not because I'm like 30 or something. It's just you get $30 $30, $30 off, TERRIN30. One word, one word, Taryn, Terran 30. It's like, it's part of my name, but it's numbers. Seriously though. I was very excited when HelloFresh reached out to sponsor the podcast. I have always wanted to try a service like this, uh, just because it's, it's so much easier. It's such a hassle having to buy things and cook things and then, you know, eat them. <laughs> but it's just, it's so much better to have things sent to you. Uh, and I always thought that was the case. And then HelloFresh was like, Hey, let's, let's sponsor your, uh, your podcast let's let you uh, try this out and i did and it was basically as awesome as i as, as i had hoped so again if you if you want to try this like i tried this see if if you want to like pork they also have vegetarian stuff make sure you go to hellofresh.com enter that promo code taran30 and have yourself a great meal <laughs>
1: Social life is the Terran show. The Terran Show. Don't ask if he's single, you already know. Cause it's the Terran show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Terran Show. Hello everyone and
0: welcome to the Terran Show. I've got a great guest here. I've got... Uh, this guy, he was on So You Think You Can Podcast. Uh, he uh, was the second place loser. Um, and uh, currently podcasts podcast about... Uh, are you the one? Yes, I, I
1: do do that. Yep.
0: Yes. Uh, it's Adam... Oh, crap. <laughs> go for it. You got to go for it. Is it Bon Giovanni?
1: Yeah, dude, that was fine. That, okay. you,
0: you said it better than 98% of people. I Well, I had it before, but it's been a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been... um. Um, ever, ever since I got eliminated from the of Podcast, I went to a dark hole, so you haven't had to say my name. <laughs> and I come out to do your, the morning updates the few times I did them, and then I went back in for the last seven months.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, you basically don't exist unless you're podcasting.
1: It's true. I come out of my room, and I podcast, and then I go back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yes, uh, you're a big uh, Big Brother fan, and uh, you're also a, a YouTuber.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm sure we'll dive into everything, but no, I, I, since 2012, yeah, when I was, no, actually 2011, when I was a senior in high school, um, I started making YouTube videos and that was my main source of income and career for a while. And it's a lot more scarce today. Like I don't post as much and, uh, but I, I still, yes, I consider myself a, a part time YouTuber in 2018.
0: Yes. Uh, so, uh, where like you, you also, you have a, you have a twin brother, right? hmm Yes um is is that your only sibling or is it just the two of you
1: yep it's just us that we're just we've grown up all my life just having one sibling and that was somebody who looked very similar to me so yeah just one twin whole life
0: well that i'm very curious about that like what uh what is it like uh you know growing up with somebody that looks like you and that Mm. could probably like murder you and take your place if they wanted to
1: yeah no okay so there's a lot of like I feel like stigmas that come along with being a twin like every every person I meet that we, like, that knows I'm a twin goes oh like did you switch places in school what pranks did you play and like I'm gonna be honest we did none of that like we were so boring compared to like these movie twins like the parent trap was nothing like our life like we're <laughs> we're very basic we went to school we we looked like everyone would always oh be like uh, Adam Nick because they would confuse us which is fine I answered a Nick at this point in my life like I'm I'm used to the whole twin thing the the coolest part about being a twin was always having someone to hang out with. Like even today, like we do our business together. Like everything, we went to college together. We did have different majors, but we still went to the same school. So it's, it's always having this lifelong friend. I feel like with siblings, with the, with an age gap, so some, some, one of the siblings graduates from school earlier than the other. We were lucky enough to always kind of be at the same point in life. And of course we've ventured off and done our own things. We have our own relationships and lives, but I think the coolest part about being a twin and, and the, what I've taken from it is you have this lifelong friend. Um, and you're always able to hang out with them unless one of us dies earlier than the other. Then obviously we, the, the friendship kind of goes out the window.
0: I, I mean, I guess so. I mean, yeah. how rude of them.
1: Yeah. I know if he dies like, before me of like any type of illness, I'm going to be very disappointed and angry <laughs> at him because it's his fault.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you, do you ever like, is it, Is it difficult to have a a sense of your own identity knowing that there is somebody who is so similar to you? And
1: that's a really good question. Like I, I, I think growing up, since I didn't understand life in that deep of, of terms, like growing up, you you just it's all you know. Mm-hmm. So I grow up not knowing. And people always ask, like, oh, is it weird that you have someone who looks like you? But it's I've never known anything different. So everywhere I've went, in life I've always had this person who's similar to me, but I know the difference. Like, I, as if any if anyone else in the world doesn't know the difference between us, I do. And at the end of the day, that's in any sense ridiculous and kind of cliche. But as long as I know I'm my own person. I really, if someone else kind of associates us together or identifies us together, that's fine. But when it comes to just me, I feel like I've always been pretty independent just because it's all I've known. Like I've never had to look back and be like, oh man, like I have this person who looks just like me. It's just been like my sibling. I feel like if I, if I had a brother two years younger, two years older, I would kind of look at it the same way.
0: Yeah. Do you, uh, are you like uh, competitive with him?
1: Oh my god, that was, I would say probably the the toughest thing with being a twin is, and I'm sure, and I know siblings fight as well, but our fights, like, I feel like they've stayed the same for the last 15 years. Like, you would think when you mature and get older, they they get different. But, like, we're still – when it we could be in a business meeting and then come out of it and we'll be talking and, like, we'll start arguing about who did worse. In a business meeting where we're supposed to be on the same team, like, we would compete in sports. We still argue to this day who was better at freshman football 14 – not 14, but, like – 10 years ago. So like, it's, it's, we're so competitive and it almost to a point where I'm kind of annoyed at us for being so competitive.
0: <laughs> well, well, which one of you is better?
1: Oh my God. I, okay. So I'll give him football. I will, but, but basketball, baseball, um, running who's faster. That's all me. Like, and I, and you could, and I'm not even saying that as a egotistical asshole. I'm saying that as like, you could, we could go out and like to the park right now and I would win in all those sports.
0: Well there you go. Uh we we'll, may we may have a, a scientific uh Terran show testing um just to to get this uh these these stats.
1: When you have the when you get the budget for all like the sports science and like you guys start running all these tests on your who you're having on the show, oh uh, let me know. I'm definitely down.
0: Yeah, that that's part two of of robot yeah. Terran understanding human <laughs> nature.
1: Well, it's got to happen sooner or later. Yeah. Um so uh
0: uh did you were you like close to your family too like was it like a, a close knit family with uh with your
1: brother yeah we were we were all really close like I grew up in a with a very loving parents who were always very supportive. I think that's why even though I did go to college and finish out college when I turned to the YouTube thing right after right like kind of when I started college and I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing like this is what I want to do forever at at that point in my life it was weird for our parents because they're like in 2010 this even now i'm sure if it's some kid goes to their parents and say i want to be a youtuber uh, then uh, for me at least I, if somebody said that to me i would think negatively of that person and it's probably extremely judgmental since i went through that i can't imagine someone who's never wanted to go into the the youtube field, and i say that using air quotes um the, uh, how they wouldn't judge in a kind of a negative and and skeptical way so we were always they were always very supportive and close but there were rocky moments because of what I pursued
0: yeah uh were you always uh like into video or or performance like what what do you think uh started this
1: I think that like I like if I could go back to like high school and like prior, I would definitely like go into theater and and, and act and and do all do all that because, I, and and when I was very young, like we'd make home videos. We had like the there was this camera. It's called like the I think it was called Blue, and it was like this little piece of crap um camera. We'd film like movies and write scripts, and we have these videos on YouTube from like. 10 years ago from like when YouTube first started of us making like murder mysteries and killer movies that were just absolutely terrible. But we did that at a very young age. And I honestly don't know what it was that made you want to go, go into it. I think I just liked in, in being on camera and being the center of attention. And I think now at this point in my life, I'm like disgusted with how I used to think like that. But I, I really think it was just this kind of like, ego and, and, and and having people watch you and and being the forefront of things. And like, I could say that in such a uh, relaxed way because it's not who I am anymore, but it definitely was growing up and wanting to be pushed in the, in the limelight or the small spotlight.
0: Where, where do you think that came from? Like, uh, like what, what made you, uh, want to be in the spotlight?
1: Honestly, I think I would say insecurity of like, not being the best at anything, like growing up, like I always played sports, did that. And, 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 and was like the funny guy in school and like, try to make people laugh. But I think I just wanted to feel more important and wanted to like do something bigger than I've always done. Like I, I remember growing up, being you know, like it'd be cool to, to be bigger than just working and, and going to college and then getting a nine to five. And like, I always would kind of want to do something bigger than that. So I think this platform of youtube i was like okay i'm gonna make videos and people are gonna like me from that like and i think people are gonna watch me and, and and feel entertained because of me and i'm gonna be able to use that as a platform to get to wherever so i think it was the the want to feel more important than just an average everyday person
0: yeah like um so did, did you feel like your self-worth was sort of wrapped up in the uh like uh like being uh like looked at i guess like having attention on you
1: Bro, I, I, that's one thing like I'm. I really like talking about now because it's. I, I kind of get to look at it from a like step back and see what it was, for what it was a few years later. Because so when we started the YouTube thing like for real, for real. Like started getting followers and and receiving a little bit of attention from it. I would say in 2012, 2013, and everything came about the numbers. It was how many followers do I have? How many subscribers are we gaining a day? Um, what can I post? Almost to the point, and in, in like I, am sure we're gonna talk about everything, but almost to the point where everything was defined by this persona and this person I created online, who really wasn't who I am at my core. So I was putting this person out there and, and basing how I felt about like life in a way to about revolving around these ridiculous numbers and followers and likes, and I was pushing out a person that wasn't even who I was so it, it was just kind of like you get wrapped up in this attention and I'm really glad I didn't go too deep into it and I kind of was able to, if, if I didn't gain followers one day I wasn't going to jump off a cliff like I was still okay with it but everyone around me was basing their lives off of oh how many followers do I have how much, how much am I gaining and it, it just became the norm so and I think eventually that was kind of just too much for me to handle and I really just fell out of love with this attention in this YouTube thing.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like how, uh, you know, you, uh, you, were, you know, this just regular high school kid. And then, uh, I like just a few years later, uh, you had gone all the way into this whole different world yeah. and, uh, this whole different mindset. Uh, so tell me about like a, 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 mo- a little bit more about how you, how you got there. Like what made you start the YouTube channel and all that?
1: Yeah, no, that that's it, We were actually, I don't know if you remember this show and it was a show on MTV it was called the buried life. And the the premise of it is there was these four guys and they would have a bucket list of, that they wanted to change the world, but they wanted to inspire other people to go after their dreams and their goals. So they every time then they would film this. I guess they had an MTV show for two seasons, and they would cross things off their list. And I was like, that's awesome. Like if I want to be known for anything, I want it to be something similar. But being a senior in high school and and now looking back, like I cringe at this. We were extremely uncreative with our process. We just took their idea and put it on YouTube. And like, we would do really stupid things that didn't really make a difference in someone's lives, but that was our goal. So we did that for a few months and like, we just were like, okay, we're going to put this online. We're going to get views and we're going to make money and we're going to change people's lives in the process. It's, it's awesome. We, it's How could it go wrong? And it, we didn't get as many views as we thought because why would just putting up pretty much a carbon copy of what someone else is doing onto the internet? You're, you're not going to see anything from them. So we took like a few months off going into college. And then when, I started college my freshman year at Rutgers. Um, myself, my brother, and my friend were like, okay, you know, let's start this up again. And then we found out this this platform called YouNow, which is a broadcasting website, and we started going on there every single day and like it would just grind on there and hustle and try to get people to check out our videos and become followers on Twitter and Instagram or whatever platforms you're pushing at the time. And then we would just slowly and surely started developing this small group of people who watched our videos. So it was like, I feel like a lot of people have these crazy struggles where they, they, they work for years and years and then they gain the subscribers. We just really found this website and utilized it. So I would say by like 2012, we started developing some sort of audience and, and, and viewership on just because of this website.
0: So what, what kind of stuff did you do on this website to, to gain the following?
1: So, okay. This was, I was 19 at the time. So like, I just want to preface before I say anything (laughs) too cringy, but like, I just remember going on and I'd be like, Hey, everyone. Like, and I would just uh, talk about myself and talk to this chat of these who are the demographic of young, probably 14 to 18 year old girls. So you just, you go on there and and you broadcast yourself and you, you talk about like your day and, and and you try to be relatable and you, you try to slowly promo yourself. Oh, go follow me on there. And it becomes into this ritual. Like I remember having this 10 minute ritual. I'd go on and there'd be all these people like waiting to watch everyone. Like it was this website at the time there was a queue. So you'd go on and then 10 minutes would go by or 20 minutes you'd get off and someone else would go on. So it was this room of, of young girls waiting to watch you. So I would just go on kind of like we, we would shout at our channels, try to hit a quota for the day. Okay, do we gain 20 subscribers? Great. Okay, cool. And we'd go on every few hours to gain that. it would go on, talk about myself, talk about my day as a freshman in college. Um, probably say corny shit that I regret, and I'm glad that it's probably not on the internet. I'm sure you could you search Adam Giovanni U now. There's, it comes – there's still YouTube searches for it, but, like, you probably have to pay me $500 to go back and watch it. There's no way I would willingly do that. I, I would just probably be a relatable late teenage boy – Wearing a snapback hat and looking like a complete douchebag, so that's probably what I did at on on you now to gain these this young audience.
0: Well, it's it's funny because like I, I imagine most people uh and i think it's becoming more and more prevalent but like most people if they thought think back to you know their (laughs) high school days their like you know their younger days whatever uh you know they'll they'll be embarrassed but as social media is becoming more of a thing now it's like oh well you're like your facebook statuses or your tweets or uh like the photos that you uh posted like you know you're embarrassed about them um but you you've gone another step further you have like whole you know live streams about you you know yourself as a younger person
1: (laughs) it's in and like thinking back on it like dude there's so much I did that I would like now take back and nothing like crazy, but just like cringy little, little little crap that I would want to take back now for you though. Like since when, is there any, if you go back and listen to your old podcast, like, will that cringe you out? Like I'm talking like the first few where you were just getting like a feel of things.
0: Uh, you know, I have gone back and it's mostly just that like uh, I, I feel I f- it sounds like I'm on Xanax or something like uh, I'm, I'm just like much more <laughs> chilled out. Um, I, I guess over the course of time, I've like uh, accumulated some sort of podcast voice where I speak with more enthusiasm. <laughs>
1: Well, but that's to see, like that's I feel like good though because you could at least see the growth. Like for me, like there's I'm comparing like my everyday life to this cringy, weird nineteen year old guy. Like at least you're like you know what? Like I got better as a podcaster. Me, I'm like at least I didn't turn into a complete douchebag. <laughs> and like that's also up for interpretation. Like somebody goes and like this guy's a complete douchebag. So like it's 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 I feel like you like and when did when did you start with our hap Was it 2015? Um yeah, I think so. Okay, so you still have like it's not too long ago where you're like a completely different person. So if, if worst worst case scenario for you is that you talk a little faster. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, well, it's also
0: I, I think a part of it is that, um, especially in the beginning, uh, like I've always been very conscious about like if i'm podcasting about big brother then that is a totally separate thing from anything to mm-hmm. do with my life yeah. um so like you know very in stark contrast to you which you who you like you know you you talked about your life all the time and you, your day yeah. and uh you tried to like connect with people on a personal level um i really focused on especially toward the beginning on like uh, big brother and like yep. this is this is and, it, and over time it's even it's gotten to a point where like it's I have a big brother personality which is yeah. um you know uh just developed over the course of like <laughs> winning every draft so now it's like you know I am always right uh you know I, I'm gonna talk like I know everything and uh like that's just sort of like you know that's 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 confined to big brother uh yeah. and it doesn't feel like it's a reflection on me so Um, it, I, like, I don't look back and think like, oh, that was me. I think like, yes, that's, this is what I was doing for the podcast. Um, and you know, I, this podcast, I will probably look back on years from now and be like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, what a what an idiot but talking about freezing myself with Kevin Martin and. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so like so can you, so it's easy for you though to like this like kind of um have this big brother personality where you know it's not a complete reflection of you like you you mm-hmm. could maintain that it seems like by the way you just said that you maintain that pretty well that you know how to differentiate
0: yeah yeah for sure like um that's that's always how i thought of it going like i was never some like i never had the intention of like sharing myself with with other people when i started at least and yeah. you know then i made this podcast
1: <laughs> now you're just all out there like you're 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 balls deep in the in the show right now <laughs> yeah in, in in some ways <laughs> i'm sure other people are balls deep in the tarant show as well so don't worry you're not alone <laughs> yeah well that's the thing because like i
0: feel like I because I, I think it's that like I can't really ask other people to expose themselves and and be subject to uh, you know all the listeners and everything <laughs> without uh, without meeting them halfway and without you know being open myself so that's, um, that's a good idea no, I like yeah. that
1: you you gotta you, you give and take right
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are uh, you're doing this on you now you're getting a, a, a following like what what is the thought process going through your mind at this point like are you or what like what how do you view you all of this
1: like it's and i hate like the only reason i could talk about this from like such a and be critical of myself is because i'm so removed from it but, like at the time it was just like you, you, from the goal we were trying to achieve we we're like okay we want to get subscribers so at this point i'm like okay we're growing like we're we're, we're gonna keep gaining and I, th- I thought at in 2012 when this was happening that it would be a constant stream we just keep going up but what this led to was the uh, connections and meeting people. Like we weren't huge on YouTube at the time, but we were bigger on you now. So we would make friends who were bigger on YouTube and kind of start to network and, and, and meet different people. And then I ended up meeting a few different guys who were, were, were substantially bigger than us with when it comes to following. And then through that, we ended up starting this group channel called SDK, which was the thing that kind of led to any popularity I've ever had on, on YouTube. And through that was where I hit my peak and, and grew the most and had the most following from meeting these people on now. So it all led to kind of the the 2014, 2015, when I had the most followers and the most interaction on social media from this website. So at, at that point, like when you're, when you're growing going through all this, you're like, Oh my God, like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to gain, get, gain all these followers and in turn, make all this money. And at the same time I'm going through college. So I'm like, okay, like I have to, to balance it all, but it was, it was just kind of like this whirlwind and, and it was, it was cool. But it, it, at the same time, if you asked me to do it all over again, I definitely would. It was one of those things where it was fun, but like, it was, it wasn't fun enough where it was, it was a lot of focusing on silly things and not just appreciating everything we got to do. Cause we got to do some pretty cool things with it. And I think it, being, putting this person out there and it, I would develop this character of someone. I really wasn't at all. Like I was this guy online who'd make a lot of silly jokes, but The real Adam, like the behind the camera was someone who was extremely like my humor is really dark and it's it's very vulgar and online we didn't curse. So like you went from like night and day was me online to me in person.
0: Interesting. So uh, so like how do you how do you think that like you crafted that image? Like did you did it start from the the you now stuff and then it Mm -hmm. sort of like grew into the the YouTube stuff or um, or was it an active decision at any point?
1: Um, I think like we, me and my friends went into and we were we we saw it worked online. You had these people like Tyler Oakley and 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 these YouTubers who were all cookie cutter and they were nice and um, they didn't curse. And then, but in, in contrast, the guys I was making the channel with an SDK were very, they were vulgar and they were a little crazy. So we were kind of like in amongst the channel. My brother and I we were kind of the nice, calm guys who didn't weren't as crazy as the other ones. And I think over time we started letting letting our hair down and being more ourselves. But I think the decision to be kind of cookie cutter was just based on what was working at the time. It sold, and and we knew that. And like I. I I don't agree going into this and being this this manipulated and being okay we're gonna like act a certain way so we gain followers but that's just how it was like that's exactly what we did we we knew what worked we knew acting nice and sweet and wearing a certain these certain clothes was gonna work and and we actively we did that and, and we adapted as time went on we saw what trends worked on youtube and what didn't and we just kind of went with it
0: so it was really just like you would do something and then you would like monitor the feedback and adjust according to how you felt like people were responding to you.
1: Yeah. It wasn't as like, it, it wasn't as like calculated where we had like a, okay, let's all sit down and go over this. It was just like, okay, like people like when we did this prank, so we're going to keep going with that. And like, we just kind of all knew this is how we were going to act. Like we were going to act like a very, I, I always say it's like a very moderated version of myself. It's like if I were to go into a really important meeting I'd probably act similar to how I did when I'd go to these YouTube events and we'd be invited to these different things. And and so it was this very monitored, um, kind of filtered version of myself. So we, it wasn't as calculated where we'd sit down and be like, okay, let's make these changes A, B, and C. But it was like, okay, let's, you know what, this is working. Um, people like when we when we make videos with our friend Ryan, so we're going to continue to do that. And it was, it, it was just uh, pretty laid back, but at the same time, we knew what we were doing and we, at least we thought we knew what we were doing.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, like since you were sort of like trying to gain a following and trying to um, you you were doing this in order to achieve something. Did you feel like you were personally attached to it? Like if you got bad feedback, would that would that hurt you personally? Or did you feel like, OK, well, if I'm getting bad feedback here, that means we just need to change something up.
1: Yeah. Like for the most part, like I was I feedback, negative feedback never bothered me. Um, I think the only time it would it would bother me is if it were like a personal attack on someone I was close with, like whether it be family, friends, whatever. Like, but even then, I could kind of detach from it. Um, I knew that if we were getting negative feedback, it meant more people were watching that found us from a different way rather than just our viewers watching. So I was always kind of like fine with with gaining any feedback, and even if it were negative, I feel like in my early twenties, like now I'm twenty five. I would say when like twenty twenty one, going through all this, I was kind of like a little like a little shit who was just like, okay, like they don't like me, that's fine. Like who cares? Like I was I, and, and I knew if our and, and there was people in our demographic who didn't like us, I'd probably make more of a change. But at that time I was like, okay, enough. Like the people watch me. I'm I'm very cool with that. Um and I was probably if like let's like say a forty five year old guy said, Wow, this guy's a complete douchebag, fuck him I would probably just be like, okay, whatever. Like it didn't bother. Me. And that and of course like that's why I think when the So You Think Your Podcast competition happened and it was me trying this podcasting for the first time and i did get this this uh, communities of people who really didn't like me it was it was easy for me to kind of laugh off and and, and just take with it and be like okay you know what like i'm not i understand i, I could be polarizing in certain c- certain ways so i'm i've always been very cool with people disliking me like i've never taken that too personal.
0: Was there anything that could uh, like affect you? like was it was it if like you uh, if you stopped gaining followers or anything like that?
1: Um, I like to think that the only thing that affected me like if I stopped getting followers, which I did like I lose followers every day on all my social medias. that was never something like as much as the numbers mattered, if I lost it all, I was just appreciated that I did get to get some cool experiences through it. but I think what would affect me more was what if we didn't get views because that was how I made money. So I would be like, OK, like I'm going to college, but if I want to do this for as a career, if I'm not making money, I'm, I'm screwed. So I think it wouldn't be as much of like losing followers. It'd be like, OK, like this video did really bad, which in turn means a brand isn't going to sponsor the next video, which means I'm not going to be making money, which means I have to get a real job. So that was kind of the thought process. It wasn't as much as like, oh, man, people don't like me. I was like, I need to support myself
0: yeah uh so w- what was the decision like or when when did the decision come uh to finally be like like this is what i i want to focus on i think i can make a living off of doing mm-hmm.
1: this it was when we started this sdk channel and we we did a we would start posting these videos on this channel it was, it was like it was a cloud channel so what that means for people who don't know which i'm sure is a lot of people everyone posts a different video on a different day so was, there was like six of us and my brother and I were together and every day we post a video so we started gaining a really hardcore audience like we would we weren't the biggest by any means like we only have 200,000 subscribers on the channel to this day but for some reason people these kids felt really attached to us and, and we gained this kind of Hardcore following. Like, if we did a meet and greet at an event with somebody with a few million subscribers, the same amount of people would show up, and everyone would be like, Who are these guys? Like, why are they drawing all these people? And I think it's just because we were really different and, and odd. And as much as we were cookie cutter, we still had our own like style. So when we started seeing these people come and we did a, a meet a meetup when we first started the channel next to my house, actually, at a park in my old house where I used to live. And there was like 400 people that showed up and we were like blown away by it. And I talked to my parents. I'm like, OK, like I'm going to finish out college. I'm still going to go. But this is what I want to do. So I would say about four and a half years ago, 2013, when we started seeing like people really care about us, that were like, OK, I'm focusing on this. Like we can make good money off of it.
0: Was it weird to be, like, making a living off of this audience that felt like they, or at least I think, like, probably felt like they mm-hmm. were connecting to you personally, but you were sort of, ha- like, had this, like, act? Like, did mm-hmm. you, did you it feel like they didn't really know who you were? Did it feel like you were, uh, like, it, the, there was some fakeness involved?
1: Yeah, I think at the time, like, I was, it was so caught up in it and I was like okay like we worked for a few like, it was only like two years we worked for like it wasn't like we did work hard but it wasn't like blood sweat and tears for five ten years I like, think it wasn't that much time so I remember being like wow like this is so awesome I think I was just too caught up in all of it and then we got all these people like oh we'll fly you out here you'll do do one of our shows here so I was just so caught up in the the hype and that we were all excited about it that I think I didn't even care who they were attaching to I was just like wow this is this is awesome And I think over time, and I think being in a relationship when I was going through all this and it started to affect that, I was like, okay, like this is, I'm really not liking being so filtered where I I feel like I'm not even myself. But I would say that was like two years later when I really started catching the consequences of putting out this persona and not the real Adam.
0: Yeah. So, but, but at the time it was like, you know, things were going well, you were making money. Like, did it feel like this is what you wanted to do for, for the rest of your life or just, uh, Uh, you see where to see where it was going to go? Yeah.
1: I think I was, I I think I was smart enough to realize that like, unless you're, unless we had four million subscribers, like it would be tough to maintain as a full time career with a, a bunch of us. But at the time, like being, a, I was a junior in college. Before it was before my junior year started, so I, I was in college. So making this money during college, I was like, okay, like we could build up to when I do graduate, and I could do this for at least a few years after school, and then maybe use it to network into a a job if this ever fails. So I was I was knowing that I was gonna build up this kind of person or this brand or however you wanna look at it in business. And I would be able to leverage that to make money for as long as I needed to. So that was the goal. And I think of it it, over time, it just, I kind of fell out of love with that goal.
0: Yeah. Uh, Did you, did it, um, did it ever like feed your ego uh, to have so many people, uh, you know, like following you, giving you money? Uh, I mean, I talked to a lot of, uh, you know, reality show contestants who uh, get out and and have told me that like, yeah, you know, I got out and for a little while I thought I was hot shit. And then, uh, Mm -hmm. and then I came down.
1: I think um if 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 it just happened and I didn't get to see people around me it might have but I would go to these events and you'd see these and I, I'm telling you like so many douchebags these 15 16 year old kids who would go out to and walk by the people following them and like say sorry I can't take a picture and like these are kids on the internet like like what the what the fuck is wrong with you so we'd see people like that and I think seeing all these complete assholes around us and how they were so negligent of the following they had and they didn't want to meet the people who supported them. We were like, okay, like let's if the minute we get egotistical, um like we got to we got to back off. So I think seeing how many awful people were around us in the YouTube space made me not gain an ego and and and, and be under to understand that the only reason I have any following is because these random kids will pay to buy my the merch we're putting out. So I was very appreciative I think the only time I ever had an ego was with kids from my high school who used to shit on our videos <laughs> and then hit us up after. So I, that that was the only time when they would hit us up. I'd be like, like, um, like I would never be a dick, but I would definitely kind of have a little bit of a a, a big head when I talked to kids from high school because they were all. Uh, anytime that somebody put makes a video in high school and puts it on YouTube, they're most likely gonna get shit on. So like I, I understand it's just kind of high school culture. But I definitely that was probably the only time I had an ego.
0: What kind of interactions did you have with, uh, with like all of those other YouTubers? Like, were, were there any like weird oh like God. stories or like?
1: Yeah, uh, dude. I, okay, first of all, there's a lot of nice YouTubers out there. Like, some of the the bigger ones are extremely nice. Like, um, but dude, we'd go to these parties, like, and and I was one New Year's Eve we went to a, a party in New York City. And we said hi to the, this group of people, and they would just like not even respond. And, and they were just they had these egos where they felt like we were beneath them, where they couldn't even reply to us. And and I, and we you go to these these parties. There's a, an event in Orlando It's called Playlist Live. It's a, it's one of the biggest bigger YouTube events. And you'd go into these rooms, and there'd be 15 year old kids snorting cocaine. And I'd be like like it would be And then they go in front of the camera and they pretend to be all wholesome and nice. And then they're going into the other room having threesomes and throwing cocaine. So you're like, what is this this world where these kids are that messed up that they're doing drugs and, and, and being so young and doing ridiculous things? However, they're willing to put themselves out there with a person that's not even similar to them. Like I know putting myself out there, like I was definitely putting this character out there, but there was still a shell of me out there with some of these kids. They were completely different than they were at these events. So it was just weird to see these, these egotistical young kids who you knew were going down an awful path and you just kind of had to watch them crash and burn. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. Dude, it was weird. It was so weird. Like we still have stories where we're like, I remember when that happened, like what the, what the fuck was that? <laughs> It's, well, so like, how how does all that like work? Like, 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 how does what is that culture like? Um, so you, this is what happens. Like, there's these different events, and the bigger events will fly out everyone. So they'll say, okay, we'll put you up in, the, in our hotel, fly you out, everything's paid for. So for them, and, and then they they give you all these different perks. Like, okay, you go to Harry Potter World for free, and you get to do all these things. So most people say yes. The ones with the bigger egos will probably get paid for certain things. Smaller events are more likely to pay because they're smaller, and then. They're not giving all these amenities with it. They're, the reason you're going is to push their event and sell tickets. So you get invited to these things, and then they throw these parties. And then after the parties, there's people hanging out in, in different rooms and in different, like I guess, lofts or whatever, apartments by the hotel. So it's the the culture is everyone kind of goes. And, and you go to network and do these meet and greets and these live, live stage time. But behind the scenes, I guess it's just all – it's like high school. It's like uh, – especially since uh, the kids are from 18 to 25. So it's like high school for a wider age range. So then you go and you, and you meet people and you meet people that you can network with. With, But for the most part, uh, a lot of the people I've met on YouTube have been nice, but there are a lot of jerks too. So it's just such an odd experience because I always felt like being – in my early 20s, I still feel I felt like I was older than most of these people kind of like fraternizing with each other and, and, and acting like they were in high school. It just felt weird to me. And recently, the reason I think I've stopped so much with YouTube is because it got to the point where I was – I felt way too old to be doing it even though there were people around me that were 30. I just felt like I didn't want to be associated with this kind of weird culture anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. and And I think it's such an interesting – phenomenon like the youtube celebrity uh kind of thing where they it's it's like you know there they were celebrities and they, they were the people like in movies and it's just gotten more and more um like uh like shallow like the, the pool like it's wider but shallower um and uh it, like the things that like so um People, people might know that I, I follow Rooster Teeth, and uh, mm. Bernie, Bernie Burns was on the Amazing Race, and he, he's uh, he was one of the co-founders of Rooster Teeth, and um, one of the guys that works there, Gavin Free, uh, runs the Slow Mo Guys YouTube channel. Um, mm. He's, his uh, you know, a celebrity, a YouTube celebrity in his own right, and very recently, um, yes, it was, it, uh, the story came out that there was this deranged fan that yep. drove 11 hours and broke into Gavin and his girlfriend's house um, with the intent to murder them right and uh they hid in their closet and the they called the police and the police ended up gunning this guy down um and this is just like most of the people listening to this podcast probably don't even know who this guy is but he was enough of a youtube celebrity that like this kind of thing happened to him and it's just like it's it was crazy to me
1: bro that's and, and i think a little part of me like i'm i'm of course like any following is, is I'm very appreciative over. But I think seeing that, it's like, do you really want to put yourself out there? Like it really – with the way today's world is where people could find you at any given time, they could look at a picture and find out where you are. It's it's so scary that these person these people put them – this guy put himself out there sl- m- slowing things down, right? He did nothing to hurt anyone and somebody almost killed him because of it, like because of who he was dating. Mm-hmm. like it's it, that's a scary thing and and another thing about the youtube celebrity is especially for someone who wasn't like had millions and was mm, you it, it was you go to these events and you're treated like you're you're an a-list celebrity and then you go home and and you're doing homework for college so it it's such a weird night and day and 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 it's and i'm sure now with how often how big people are and how much they put themselves out there it's the lines are being a little more blurred and and youtube celebrity normal celebrity or or i guess you see more youtubers in mainstream media but at the same time it is some a weird kind of difference
0: yeah and and social media like you've like it's almost it's almost as if it's more likely to happen to somebody like Gavin than somebody like Harrison Ford, who like yeah. nobody like nobody has any connection to him. He's not on social media every day. <laughs> like he, his life isn't part of what you consume. And that's that's part of like what you were doing, right? Like you were selling yeah. your your life, you know, like yeah. uh, and that's what many YouTubers do and many uh, like social media people people do is you know like talking about their day and talking about their feelings and i think there's something cool about that i think there's something um that like positive that can be drawn from that but there's also this other side of it where um it is a very one-sided connection sometimes and uh and it can it can go to crazy places
1: and and that's one thing like again i don't want to come across like i bragging or anything when i talk about this i just want to kind of like explain my experience through my eyes and what it was like so when we would the, the weirdest thing I guess that would happen to us is we lived right next to a bus stop of, of out of high school so it became clear where we lived so we'd every every few weeks people would show up to the door and give us things and like, like a teddy bear or like a sign or something but like in and I think that the, for those reasons I'm, I'm grateful to have an audience of of people who, who weren't able to obtain anything crazy. And we were never big enough where anyone wanted to murder us. I think um, maybe after So you thinking a podcast, but before <laughs> that, definitely not. Um, so people would, would show up at our house and, and, and call the fa- our phone, our, our house phone. And like, I, I remember thinking like, we're so not important and people are doing this to us. I can't imagine what it's like for someone with 500,000 subscribers or a million, because people, if you have that many people, there's going to be enough who don't know where to draw the line. So it's just, it's scary to think about. And I I think that putting yourself out there, like you have to uh, know that there's a potential that someone could really, really cross the boundary.
0: Yeah. I, I think uh, like a lot of the people that I've talked to for this podcast have, uh, have told me like, yeah, I've had some really bad interactions with with fans before and uh a lot of them like uh like it's, it's like enough that they don't want to talk about it like this is just like yeah. it's it's really uh unfortunate and um it's 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 just so it's it's so crazy like these are people who you know it's like we're on Big Brother or Survivor and it's just like uh you know you have it's it's just it's crazy to me
1: the and the Big Brother is probably the toughest because They're facing people who are similar in age, who can obtain really anything they want, who they can go to bars and see. So, and and they're being put on this show where they're edited, but at the same time they're on the feed. So people really think they get to know them. So they're putting themselves out there in a way that it's, I feel like it's unmatched. So when they meet people and people go crazy and do ridiculous shit, it's because they really think they know them from watching a game they played on TV. So I, I think that like, it's incomparable to like me, somebody coming to my house. Like it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's harmless, but if you're on big brother and someone hates you and they see you at a bar, you don't know what they could do. So that's, it is kind of scary to think about.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, even just like the the language that gets used when talking about these people is often like can often get like violent or obsessive. Yeah, and like Shelley Moore got
1: death threats for ruining yeah. big Jeff's game. Like you're getting shit on for for playing a game and doing what you think at the time is best for you. So it is it is it's tough. I guess it is what you sign up for. But once you until you're in that experience, you probably really can't understand what that's like.
0: Yeah, you just reminded me. I need to uh, contact Shelly for the next. Show. Yeah,
1: no, she'd be great to have on here, dude. She would be such a get. Like Shelly, probably honestly, I'd say at least four to five million listeners from Shelly Moore's podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I I thought of her a while ago, and um, I just I, I forgot to reach out, and uh, she was all
1: booked up, probably right with all the interviews.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Right, like right around that time you started to transition out of this uh lifestyle. Um what did that look like for you? Like what was your plan?
1: Um so I graduated college in 2015. Um and then I started kind of the rest of 2015 after I graduated. We're still doing the videos, still getting money from doing different brand deals and and still and still kind of uh milking the cow as far as as long as we could have. But I think we started saying, okay, like, what could we use our social media for? What could we do to make money other ways and kind of sustain ourselves other ways? So we did anti-bullying talks for a while. So we we had a few videos that were um, like anti-bullying related. So we would go to different schools and, and we'd speak at different schools. And we did that during our YouTube career too. But we also did it for like, and after college, I did it, for a while too. So I did that, but then I realized that school budgets aren't big enough where I could really sustain a future with that. So then I started uh, using the social media to start, or we started, my brother and I started our own social media business where we do social media management and marketing for different companies. And that's where I'm today, but that's over the last two years, I've been using what I learned from YouTube and social media, what works and what doesn't to start this business. So that was kind of the transition. And from going from full-time YouTuber to part-time YouTuber to full-time um, with the social media marketing,
0: and how how has that been for you so far? Like, are, do you enjoy that?
1: Uh, it's I love business, like, and I think that's what made me realize, like, I, I'd rather be behind the scenes than in front of the camera. And I think that just comes with me growing up. But I, I love it. I, I love having my own business and kind of creating something that that I could hopefully help small businesses with or, or, or help different people who are looking to go in different fields. Like if it's a public speaker or a drummer or a wedding boutique, like we, we, we do social media for all different types of ventures. So it's it's nice that I could use all the shit I've learned through this the crazy few years I had on YouTube and be able to tr- actually translate into something that can help these businesses, but also bring in a, a substantial living for me.
0: Yeah. So um, is this like, is this what you want to do? Like moving forward? Do you have like a, a plan or like what, like what's your, uh, what's, what are your goals?
1: Yeah. I think I would say like, this is what I'm most passionate about. Um, I, I, I think just the thought of creating something and building it up and continuing to build up that I'm really proud of is probably what I want to do. So this business, like I, we're, we're hoping to scale up very soon. So yeah, this is what I see myself doing for the, for the future. And I don't have any other plans like to do anything else. So right now, and I think for a very long time, this is going to be what I want to do.
0: Cool. Um, so tell me more about, uh, like the, so like when, uh, well, at what point was the, so you think you can podcast, uh, situation happening? Like, um, was that like on the decline of get like wanting to get out of YouTube?
1: Um, I think that was like, Okay, so we. I would say I really um, – it was during YouTube. We we're still posting videos consistently, but I definitely fell out of love with it. Like I, I don't know if I ever fully had passion for creating videos. Like I think I always loved it, but I don't think I ever had passion for it. Like I wasn't the one to edit our videos. My, my brother and my friend would. I just – I didn't have an eye for editing. Like so uh, I don't think I ever really – fully was in love with the whole YouTube thing. So I think when other things presented themselves, I just jumped at that opportunity. So I, I love Big Brother and I love Survivor. I've loved it for a extremely long time. So when I actually emailed Rob the day that he announced the So You Think You thing before he announced it, and I said, if you ever need anything for me to do anything, I would watch these shows, let me know. And then he came out with the So You Think You Podcasting. So as soon as I, I heard about that, um, I filmed the video and sent it in. And I remember thinking like, okay, like the fact that I have followers online, like I wonder if that's going to affect it at all. I didn't expect it to turn into the, the craziness <laughs> in, the, in the battle that it did online. But I definitely knew going in that there there could be some issues with it
0: yeah yeah i I remember uh it's it's interesting because i feel like if it had been in any other scenario um like you know you just like coming on to to do updates or uh (laughs) like like doing an are you the one but like whatever it is people would have been like oh cool it's this guy who's like a youtube guy and he's got a bunch of followers like he's coming on rhap to like like do some stuff uh but because it was like a competition um it was like oh bullshit this is unfair
1: right away dude and i remember like i get it like if i because this is what i kept trying to get people to say like uh, i can't try to tell people but at the end of the day i get why people would be pissed like i understand completely why i would bother especially someone on my team like this asshole has x amount of followers and he's gonna come and just promote it and, and get people who don't even give a shit to, to vote like fuck him like i get that like i completely get it it's just like i wanted to do it so i'm like okay why am i gonna shy away from something that i, I i've love? rob as a podcast i like rob sister nino since i watched the season like why am i not gonna put myself out there and try to do this i understand the backlash, but at the same time i was like I, I really want to do this so i i was it was this weird uh, con, uh, conflict but i knew no matter what i was gonna at least go for it
0: yeah yeah um it was it was a weird time i think for everyone
1: oh <laughs> like definitely uh has some we like, weird taste in my mouth for sure
0: <laughs> yeah um uh so have you always been into like big brother and survivor like from since you were a kid
1: um i my dad always watched survivor and big brother growing up i got into big brother i and i mentioned this on so you think when in big brother 11 was the first season i watched in like full and, and got the feeds and it and was fully enthralled in all of it so like that's why like when i make big jeff jokes like big jeff always has a small place in my heart right next to dumbledore so <laughs> I like I, I, Big Brother Eleven was the first Big Brother season I watched in full, and then I the first Survivor season I watched in full was South Pacific. So was with those two years I I kind of and then after that I, I binged every season of both. So I really got into it with 2009, 2011. Really got into Big Brother and Survivor, and, and from that point on, I was I was a goner. I was I was deep.
0: What do you think attracted you to the uh, to the shows?
1: I think strategy, um, Big Brother would definitely was the strategy when, like, that because I, 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 I think, like, everyone else I associate, I put Big Brother and Survivor together. So, the first thing that I saw that how awesome I thought this was was the live feeds and the strategy. So, it was the fact that these people, we could always watch them and they were always playing this game. And then when Survivor, and I, I still debate back and forth which one I like more. And, like, I talk to my friends about it, like, which one they think I like more. And, and everyone gives different answers. So, but I think Survivor was just, it was big brother on it at, at, from from far away is big brother in an island so it was this it was very similar to me and i and i, lo- I love the survivor also drew me in was the like the movie like elements in how it was so cinematic and you watch it and it's like they're per- they're putting on a, a performance but it's it's all happening to these people in their real life so i, w- I was just caught up in it.
0: did you ever consider like trying out to like to go on one of these shows
1: yeah, I always thought I would do it like as soon as I turned. I, the Big Brother age twenty one and Survivor eighteen. I always thought I would do both right away. But I actually the first time I sent an audition tape for Big Brother was the day before um, you could submit one last year. That was the only time I ever su- tried for anything. And um, I also for Survivor. I, okay, this is my biggest fear: is go and I think Big Brother. If I i would be able to do it like i, I think i would I, of course it would probably break me down and i think it would mess me up but my biggest fear with trying for survivor is that i get on i'd be terrible and i'd go home first because i'm really nervous it would ruin the show for me and like mm-hmm. I, I know people go and they're like oh i loved it i love the experience and i'm sure i would say the same thing but I, i'm really w- worried that if i tried out and i for somehow got on i would go on they'd be like fuck this little nerd and get me out and like i'd be and i hate the show because i got out first so like it, it's it's i don't i'm sure other fans think like that too but that's my thought process.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, at, at least you'd get an entire preseason podcast series about you.
1: There you go. Right. And I get to talk to Josh Wiggler. So like, yeah. there we go. Right. That's, that's, that's gotta count for something. And then I'd go home and everyone make fun of me and I would <laughs> probably and, cry.
0: <laughs> there'd be a magnificent, magnificently edited, uh, final podcast just to it to you.
1: Yeah, I guess that's, that's one way to look at it now. Huh. But, uh, I, like it is as silly as I'd probably, uh, you'd probably go on there if you go home first. You're probably like, wow, that was tough. Like, damn, I'm I did all I could. But like, I, I, there's still that little glimmer of me being like, What I just really start to hate Survivor? And, like, I don't want to do that. I don't know. It's it's a conflict I go through every day. If the show ends in 2037, I feel like, and I don't try out, I probably will regret it. So I think I'm gonna end up sending in a tape. But and and if I'm first, we'll we'll be having another uh, podcast about my experience on Survivor and how poorly I did.
0: Well no, I mean I like I get I get where you're coming from though. Like I I had that worry too in terms of uh like oh if I ever if I ever played I would and I lost. Like I don't know like when I'd be able to go back to it like uh, after Big Brother 14 when Dan didn't win after everything he was subjected to. Yep. I was so mad at the show I couldn't even think about it for for a while. Um and uh like I was if that was me I I like I don't think I could. I don't know if yep. I could do it.
1: So let me ask you: When you say lost, do you mean like like are do you think you like in the person you are? Would you be upset if you lost at all, or would would there be like a mark like okay made the final six? I'm I'm good now, or do you think it's about how you lost?
0: I think I probably is about how I lo- like if I if I lost because of something random in the game, <laughs> like some like, you know, something random, like k- kicks me. Out. I, I, I did everything I could and I lost uh, and then like, oh, you know, I, something comes out of nowhere and, and uh, I lose like, you know, that's that's kind of the game. But if I if I like screwed myself up. I'd be really frustrated with myself or if it was like a a, a, like random things came at me every single week and I managed to uh, overcome every single one of them. uh, But they still wouldn't reward me at the end like Dan Giesling. (laughs) Then I'd be like, all right, screw everyone. This game sucks.
1: (laughs) That is like dude like as as oh my God, like I just can't imagine going on a show like that and being like i'm gonna like I did all I could I'm gonna win and then like being like nope like it's seven to one you're you lost like i I could see it really messing up the show for people like i I get that like if you when people go on and they they have like a, a somewhat bad experience, like, I can see how it messes it up for them.
0: Yeah, uh, I, and I I do think that losing the jury vote is one of the worst ways to lose the game easily. Because, like, even the first one out, it's like, well, you know, it, it had to be somebody, and I got unlucky with first impressions and the people that I happened to be with and so on and so forth, but, like... When it's the jury, especially because of how the audience often views the jury, they they see it as less random, even though it, in many ways it's almost more random. Um, but like it's just, it's just like yeah, those people that you spent three months with decided that they hate you and they yeah. don't want you to have any money or win the game.
1: It's it's and like it's easy to watch on TV and be like, damn, that sucks. Like, but I can't imagine going through that anxiety and the emotions behind it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean the whole thing again. It, it's it's really it really is just like, like trauma, <laughs> like just right. like very like a three month long period of trauma. And uh, you know, I've talked with people who have lived through it, and they they have you know it stresses them out, and they have like flashbacks, and it's just it's crazy,
1: right? And like I get it. I, it, as, I as I get it as much as I can without being on the show. Like I get that. Like I, I have sympathy for these people that like, damn, that must really be tough to go through.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, did, did, was there anything else that you, uh, that you had that you might, uh, want to talk about?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I, uh, no, I if, if, if whatever, whatever you got, I'm, I'm cool with whatever you have. You have anything else? Cool. If not, dude, I, uh, it was fun.
0: Awesome. <laughs> no. Yeah. The, the YouTube discussion is, is still, is like fascinating to me. Like, that whole that whole culture uh is so crazy
1: it really is dude like that's why i like talking about it cuz i don't like we would do interviews in the past and they'd be so like cookie cutter like oh like what's your favorite flavor of soda it's like like jesus christ so like i like talking about it and showing it for what it's worth from my perspective and how like insane it was and and cool to a certain level but then also not cool from other angles and like that there were a ton of weirdos and assholes and and it's not all fun and it's not all it's about these people go to LA and they kind of like lose themselves and like I have friends that moved to LA and lost themselves so I like kind of shining light on what people don't
0: well like do you do you feel like you uh you are more fulfilled now like now that you're out of that do you feel like you have become a better person
1: yeah, I'm a better person. I'm trying to think. Like, uh, I, I still like to think at that time, like I was, I was kind of happy-go-lucky and, and, and a good guy. But I think that I'm, I'm more focused on living a, a kind of like a fuller life, and not as one that's dictated by what's online. And so I do like to think that I've learned, because I, I did learn a lot from it. I, I learned how there, to, to always appreciate what you have and to never take it for granted because it could be gone tomorrow and i've learned that if you really do work at something like it, shit can go your way if you if you work your ass off but at the same time like i've learned not to be so focused on likes or numbers and it's it's so whenever i see people online like i and i think it's it's kind of fucked up with me but i i, I give people whenever i see these internet stars and they're like failing or they're not uh, or they're 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 going downhill i always kind of think negatively about it like because i'm like oh like get a grip like realize that you know what maybe you're not meant to be this this step out when you could you know do what you can but when when you start to suck don't be afraid to pursue other ventures and when i see these people clinging on to this little shed of fame or this little shed of limelight i kind of think uh, judge them for it and it's probably wrong of me too but i kind of can't help it because i i've been around it so much and i see all these people who are afraid to kind of step out of the limelight because they're so infatuated with this little attention. So I like to think that I have a better grip on things now because of the YouTube scenario.
0: Yeah. Well, uh I'm happy I'm happy that you uh you found you found your place <laughs> you found your niche there
1: you go and and I found um I found my my it's, it's almost ironic that I found like what I feel like is my passion but it's it's still social media yeah. so, like, i'm still like it's, it's just as long as I'm not in this spotlight, I feel like it's better but thank you I, I appreciate it
0: yeah well and i I do feel like that is uh sort of like um that was always the difference for me well like when I when i started doing like i i don't want to be the person that is like sh- like selling my life i want to be selling my uh like my insight on big brother or whatever it is you know what i mean exactly. no like, um, i completely
1: understand that. that's, a, that's a really good way to look at
0: it yeah and and uh you know I, at least i hope it is you know well we'll see <laughs> we'll see if years. i'm on a, an interview podcast five years from now going like man that big brother time it
1: fucked me up man <laughs> Well, I, don't, I don't think I, don't, I think you uh, got a, a grip on things but but um maybe you'll turn to cocaine and threesomes like a lot of these youtubers did so you never know Taren.
0: yeah yeah you, um, uh, you, you never know um <laughs>
1: uh, another thing that I actually talked to Matt about when we he said up when we talked about doing the interview was I've had a lot of weird interactions with big brother and survivor players like weird weird random interactions oh yeah 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 I, rem- I remember talking I, think about I, that. I did tell you some of them it's it's I feel like there's one I left out and I and there well, okay, so let me start with the, the good and I'll get to the weird. Um, so Luan, when he got off of Big Brother 13, I, I, we, me and my friend thought he was like the funniest character ever. Um, so uh, we reached out to him and there was a point in my life where Lawan from Big Brother 13 was giving me love advice and he was giving me relationship advice. And I don't think many people can say that. And that was like well before the YouTube thing. That was 20, right? uh, That was 2011. Right after he got off the show, like end of 2011, he would be messaging me on Facebook and helping me out with situations with, with, with random girls.
0: That's amazing. Like what, what kind of advice did he uh, give you?
1: I think he just okay. Like I think it was just probably questions like, "Oh, like who would, would you think this girl interested or whatever?" And he was like, "You just have to be you, and you have to. And if she wants to be a part of your life, she will be. If not, she missed out." Like he would just kind of give that advice. But I, I vividly do remember their paragraphs. Like, he would send paragraphs. And, like, cause I think that just shows a testament to the type of person Luan is, that he was just such a nice guy that somehow we got to be – and he still he – he comments on my pictures all the time. We're still – like, I still every now and then send him a Facebook message. Hope he's doing well. So I still like to feel like, – I feel like that was still my um, deepest big brother bond, and I don't think it'll ever be broken.
0: I feel like Luan's love advice would be, uh, you know, like, look, if she if she doesn't want to, you know, do it, then uh, just, just leave. Just uh, voluntarily <laughs> – uh remove yourself from the relationship and then you're gonna get superpowers and she's gonna want you back because uh that's that's just how it works.
1: I think you just gave the best love advice ever through the eyes of Luan.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's all about the superpowers.
1: Oh man, I'm, I'm I'm see that's something that I'm gonna write on every resume. If like the business thing doesn't work out and I have to apply for jobs, I'm just gonna write God relationship advice from Lawan. They're gonna be like, who is Luan? I'm like, you know, you know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> don't play coy with me you know
0: that maybe those were the superpowers you got they were the the power to yes. give great advice for love
1: yeah i think i still don't would be pretty shitty i love advice so i let out people handle things for themselves um but luana's probably the best like the the nicest one there's some odd odd instances as well
0: <laughs> what was in the odd ones
1: um okay let me let me think oh, fr- oh frankie grande and i know i'll probably get destroyed for this one but frankie like and I, I i can't say this enough he was the nicest person when i met him like he was always every time we saw, we've we seen him before big brother we saw him after big brother always so nice i understand why people hate frankie i get it i think he gets it but i can always say nice things about frankie grande um he uh th- th- that was a good that was a nice experience there was this. I don't want to mention names because this is this one's weird. Like this is like really odd. Um, there was a, a Survivor player um that was slid into my DMs about three years back, and this person said, um, "Nude selfie question mark? Haha, Just kidding. Love your videos." Oh my so god! That, yeah, and That's why I'm not mentioning names. And I was like, "Oh, that's so funny." This person like is is, is interacting. I love Survivor, and I showed my friends and my girlfriend, and they're like like this person's like they, they're flirting with you i'm like what i'm like no and i said to matt the other day he was like yeah like this is like not just normal like that's he's not like, <laughs> no he, he's not and i just thought he was i said okay well I, it, it was a he I'll, I'll give i'll say that i can't I, I feel too bad saying more but the the i just thought he was being nice and friendly like maybe i'm really naive because i was like oh that's nice that was a funny joke and i'm like i thought they were joking around but apparently they, they i think i think this is a said that he went in like like Maybe he'll send me something back, like kind of like just throwing it out there, but like, ha, it's still a joke if you don't want to
0: well, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing you you see on like the cringe subreddit, like, yep. uh, like, oh, yeah. like, oh, send send me a nude selfie. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. Unless you want to, but no, just kidding. Ha <laughs> ha.
1: I have the message. I could send it to you so you know who it is. I I, I feel really bad because I know somebody could tweet this person and like no, yeah, it's, be uh, it. But, yeah. Like after the after Danny Ross said it to you, and I I'm curious to see like who you would think it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of any other. Um, I met Nicky Haas at a YouTube, and he was really nice. Like for five minutes, Corey Brooks. Um, despite pe- belief, like I know people have a lot of things to say about Corey, but he was always extremely. Um, he I followed me back on Twitter and like yeah, I actually we haven't talked in a while until I DM'd him the other day and, and about because there was rumors of him going on the challenge, mm. so I ended up and asked him and, and he responded and he's he's always such a nice guy. Like how are you? How's everything going? And like I don't even know him and he's just extremely nice. Um, and I, I think there was more, but I, I just i guy when I told the, the DM story, I kind of get distracted about everything else. Yeah, you know, you know, sometimes I
0: I, I feel like I get self conscious about how nice people are.
1: <laughs> no, well, I've always taken you as a nice person, if that counts for anything. Um, I don't, I, I get what you're saying, like how it's easy to be like. Well, I wonder if people like see me as like I, I get that, but I think you're doing fine. I, I I wouldn't have any reason to think you're a jerk
0: yeah well I, I like i think if i'm talking to you i i make a good enough impression if i'm like talking to somebody um but like what you're saying very like very short with like people like i give like uh like i was even <laughs> i was even talking to to lita who is a friend of mine the other day and like i was busy editing and uh like I was just giving her like one word responses. She was like, "You all right?" <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. Just uh, I just I think I just seem angry when I'm online.
1: <laughs> but you also can't be weary of that twenty four seven. Yeah,
0: I think I I just need to practice on being nicer. I remember uh, when I was in like high school. Um, and, like you you know what I should do to to like because I I just didn't know how to like make myself seem friendlier when I was talking to people um, because I was like, I was always very behind when it came to like social media and mm. a- a- like aim and all of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, and so I was like, uh, I remember a friend of mine was like, just put lots of exclamation marks. It makes you seem friendly.
1: <laughs> what a great advice.
0: Um, to this day, I still do that. Um,
1: Me too. I, no, I'm th- the same way. I do the
0: exact same thing. Because it seems it like it's gotten to the point where I feel like if I don't put an exclamation mark, this seems like I might be like mad or something yes. it's, it's it's weird
1: now you're in this hole of exclamation marks where you can't go back now like you have to leave like six now for someone to think you're in a good mood <laughs> and if you leave two they're gonna be like what's wrong with Taryn
0: yeah but then i feel like when i interact with like like because i i message people to come on this podcast all the time so when, I, when i'm messaging bruno to come on this podcast he's like this chill dude and i'm writing like a bunch of exclamation marks um like i and do i seem like uh like a crazy person to him now like way overly excited i don't i don't even know like like, it's, it's so difficult for me.
1: But, like, you know what? I think it's always better to to go with the exclamation marks and make sure they at least know you're excited rather than under like, underdoing it where you're just yeah. kind of like, oh, come on my podcast. I think when you're inviting someone to the podcast, you probably should be more enthusiastic. So I think you're handling it correctly.
0: <laughs> okay, good to know.
1: Not that I'm an expert on this at all. Like, I'm just, as another exclamation point enthusiast, I I think you should go for it.
0: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I, I there needs to be... A a better way of communicating with people online that I'm I'm better at.
1: You just do emojis, but I feel like that's more the high school age range. Like I I think that's also criteria. If people use too many emojis, I don't want to be friends with them. I feel like that's so weird. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing too. Where it's like my my sense of humor is super like dry and
0: sarcastic. Yes. And so uh, what I would do online is I do the you know the the sticky tonguey outy emoji, and like that's that's my sign that I'm being sarcastic. But then. And like, uh, I feel like now if I use it too much, people think it's weird.
1: Like no, but I, I get what you're saying. Like people who know you, you could probably use it for. I feel like if it's a new person. They they probably be like like okay, like that's a oh, interesting choice of emoji. Yes, like, it, I do that too. Like for I use weird like emojis, like the two women like in like like different clothes. Like I don't even know what to it, describe <laughs> it. like I use like weird emojis on purpose, just to, like throw people off. Like all right, I'll see you later, and I'll do like a like a, a weird like si- shape or symbol that doesn't even add up, just to kind of mess with people. But like I'm the same way. Like I don't I don't know if I've ever used like emoji like where are you like seven in a row and you're like yeah crying well, crying 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 it's like okay we get it you're you're allowed
0: <laughs> well there's too many i feel like you're telling me too many things at once i yeah, need one over, one over. representation of the uh the the message behind the message there you go uh, but i th- but like i feel like I feel like the like the personality that I ha- like or the personality that people think I have, they wouldn't expect me to use a lot of emojis. But I want I want to use emojis because I feel like that is more descriptive of what I'm saying. But if I use a lot of emo- emojis, people would be like, "Whoa, that's why is Terran using so many emojis? That's weird of of That's not that's not a Terran thing to do."
1: <laughs> that's not like Terran Like they know you everything about you. Like you would never use four emojis. he would only use two.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Uh this this is the Taryn complains about online communication uh, <laughs> part of the podcast. Uh, this, this see this is this is what you would get on uh on the Big Brother podcasts
1: yes. if you if you <laughs> this,
0: this is what you get when uh when when I open up more. You get me complaining <laughs> about online communication. That's great. All right. Uh, Well, um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, You can subscribe uh, to this show on iTunes. Go to The Terran Show. Um, Feel free to leave a review. Uh, The reviews are very fun. I recently looked at the reviews, um, and I was very touched. There's some really nice stuff in there. (laughs) Uh you know, I I was like I you know, sometimes you go and you're like, alright, where's the one-star review? Uh where's the people saying that Taryn's the worst? Um and it was just a bunch of people being very, very kind and uh saying lots of nice things. So uh if you have nice things to say, you can leave a review. Um and if you want to ruin my day, leave <laughs> leave, leave a one-star review. Either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can also go to website dot com uh, and leave a comment. Uh, it's, you know, go go to the Terran show. Leave a comment on the show page. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Armstrong Terran And uh, you can. Uh, w- what do you want people to check out, Adam?
1: I think it's just Twitter. Twitter's fine. Adam Bongo. That's it. Or at, uh, my alternate Twitter's at One Lucky <laughs> Yeah.
0: Tweet at one lucky gay about uh, all your complaints about this interview. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, don't forget to go to harrys.com slash Taryn for that free trial, Adam. Uh, yes. And I will see you next time. Taryn's asking questions, Taryn's finding out, Taryn's looking deeper. That's what it's all about.
1: It's the tear in the show. So you.